0: But then the question comes, how can ordinary people like you and me be labeled in scripture, and we are labeled in scripture, children of God or sons of God? How may we be given the legitimate right to call God Abba, Daddy, or our Father? is this presumption on our part? If Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, doesn't that kind of answer the question then and there? (laughs) If He is the only begotten of God, how dare we be designated children of God? How did God have other children. Only begotten. Now we're talking about other. They don't, those two thoughts don't seem to go together. Well, I want to consider a bit the biblical perimeters of adoption. Adoption. We think we know about adoption. Adoption is not a man-made invention to address the problem of unwanted or orphaned children. Adoption was the invention of God from eternity, before the fall into sin, before every baby born was born with a sin nature, which made them dead spiritually towards God and at odds with their creator. This is what the Bible means when it teaches that we were born in sin. It's referring to our original sin in Adam. David put it this way. Surely, says David, I was sinful at birth. Wow. He goes on. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Wow, that, that's way back in the womb, aren't we talking about there? That's Psalm 51, verse 5. Paul confessed to the Ephesian brethren, All of us also lived among them, the pagans, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Ephesians 2, verse 3. And then in Romans 5, verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that would be Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So what he's saying is that Adam's nature passed on to his children and then to their children and then to their children ad infinitum, right on down to our present day. We talk about children being innocent of sin, not because they are, but because they have not learned all the expressions of sin that come with living a long time in a sinful world. But they learn fast, don't they? I don't think as parents we sit down and say, not today, we're going to have a lesson on sin. We are going to teach you how to sin. No parent does that. It comes naturally, it comes by nature. So adoption then has to do with God being fatherly towards sinners by nature who would just as soon spit in his eye. Rebels all, more in love with sin than they are with the holiness of God. Paul writes it this way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's talking about Satan. The spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Ephesians 2 verse 1 and 2. Where was our allegiance? It was with Satan, the archenemy of God. Our enemy used the ways of the world. James says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. James 4, verse 4. So this is the kind of people that God has to work with if we're going to talk about adoption. But the Bible does talk about adoption because it's not something that was invented by men. Secondly, we normally think of adoption dealing with unwanted children. I mean, what we just read enemies of god wrathful by nature who would want children like that david and felicia lee our missionaries to romania make reference in their newsletters to an orphanage in romania which is part of their outreach it houses adolescent teenagers all of whom all of whom have hiv and he writes, quote, All of these kids were born with the disease. They were born with the disease. Originally, 30 children lived in the home. Today, there's only 18 left. Death took the others. What's he saying? He's saying, De- death took them, not adoptive parents. Why not adoptive parents? Because no parents want them. That's why not. And before we become self-righteous, when American couples apply for adoption, do they walk into the agency and say, show me the profiles of adolescent teenagers. Is that what what they do? No. No. They want a baby. Okay. Do they say, show me the babies who have cleft palates and club feet. The March of Dime list of the top birth defects in babies in America, and they say this, quote, The most common birth defects are heart defects, cleft lip, cleft palate, Down syndrome, spina bifida. End quote. What I am saying, few adoptive parents would give these children a second look. And I'm not being holier than thou here. It would take special parents to care for these special needs children. The only point I am making is that in adoption, we would look, we would look for such things as good health, compatibility to our existing family structure, rapport with the child, mutual love, mutual respect. That's what we would look for. In stark contrast, God not only adopts physically impaired children, he adopts brat children. Children who hate him. Children who kick against his goodness. Children who want nothing to do with being made a part of his family. They live in the gutter and they prefer that. They could care less about the mansion over the hilltop. As long as they can continue with their illicit sex, their drunkenness, their lies, their drugs, their love of money and power and fame, and everything else evil and rebellious to authority. They do do not much contemplate or care about the consequences of such a lifestyle. They just live it happy in it Paul actually states it this way in Romans 1 verse 29 and following they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed and depravity they are full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they are gossips, slanderers god haters insolent arrogant boastful They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And then the next verse. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things but also approve of those who practice them. He is saying, they know judgment is coming for these things, but they don't give a damn. Let it come. Instead, they huddle with others who share the same thought processes, the same lifestyle. It's a good old boys club where everyone pats the other on the back and defiantly proclaims, it'll all work out for everybody in the end. They're self-deluded with a bit of satanic pixie dust sprinkled in there to blind them. They hang a shingle on the door of their heart that reads, God not needed, God not allowed. The startling reality, even for believers, is that Paul says, all of us, this is very humbling, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. Ephesians 2, verse 3. That's a very humbling verse, isn't it? Oh, maybe you could exempt yourself from some of the sins listed in the Bible, but not all of them. Whatever your sin, whatever your appetite, however you expressed your disobedience to God and Preference for your heart's craving sin is sin and the wages of sin is eternal death and that's where we were. There was nothing in you, there was nothing in me to commend us to God. Hey, look at me. This is the pool of humanity that God has to work with. when he's calling out his people to himself. And what a pull it is. It's a cesspool. It's a cesspool. So, there's something miraculous about God's decree to adopt. His decree to adopt. Firstly, it was enacted in eternity past. Let me read it for you. For he chose us in him before hmm, the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted. Let that sink in. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons Through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace. Of course it's grace. Which he freely has given us in the one that he loves. Ephesians 1 verse 4 and following. No. Before the creation of the world. That's when God set in motion his intent to have a family that would be holy and blameless in his sight. God knew that sin would spoil the paradise he would create for Adam and Eve. He knew they would sin and that that act of disobedience would doom the race. He knew that babies would be born possessing the same sinful nature of their parents. He knew that things would become so bad and so wicked... That it would take a universal flood to reset humanity with Noah. But sin continued right down to our present day. Which is again becoming what Jesus predicted. His words. As it was in the days of Noah. Uh So it will be at the coming of the Son of God. Wow. Matthew 24, verse 37. It isn't the Maya calendar or any of the predictive prognosticators concerning the end of the world, but it's God's word that brings about these things. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 36, No one, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So much for all the doomsday prognosticators that like to tell us when the end is coming. There's only one person that knows when the end is coming and that's God the Father. And Hebrews 6 verse 18 says it's impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. The prognosticators lie all the time and prove themselves wrong. The believer's future is charted by a defined decree in eternity past. Not by the superstitions of the zodiac Or a pagan calendar. None of that. God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. And as we have seen in previous studies. No one in heaven or earth can thwart the will of God. His word is literally his bond and his decrees come to pass without fail. He says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my beloved one who is not my beloved one. Why? Because there's no one out there except a cesspool of God haters. He goes on, and it will happen that in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people they will be called sons of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us, some descendants, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. Romans 9, verse 25 and following. God's decree to adopt was in eternity past and the decree still stands. Doesn't matter what has happened in the world in terms of sin and judgment. God's decree still stands. Secondly, this decree of adoption was implemented through Christ in time-space history. Have you listened closely, understandingly, to the announcement of the angel to Joseph and later to the shepherds concerning Jesus' birth in Bethlehem? Firstly, Joseph he said to Joseph, speaking of Mary, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because, listen now, he will save his people from their sins. His people from their sins. The God-haters, Matthew 1, verse 21. So the angel said that to Joseph. When they talked to the shepherds, here's what they said. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, now listen, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Luke 2 verse 11 through 14. You see anything universal in this? This is not universal salvation. It is selective adoption. Let me read it to you from Hebrews chapter two, verse 10 and following. "In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes them holy and those who are made holy are in the same family. Wow. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says... I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. That's from Psalm 22. And again, I will put my trust in him, Isaiah 8, verse 17. And again, he says, here I am and the children God has given me, Isaiah 8, verse verse 18, excuse me. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels that he helps. Okay, it's not angels that he helps. You, you know there are fallen angels, don't you? That's where the first sins occurred, in heaven. But it's not angels that he helps. But Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of Of the people, what people? The brothers, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, and he's able to give those who are being give give help to those who are being tempted. Hebrews two verse ten and following. You got adoption all the way written in the scriptures, but we don't always have the word adoption used. But you should get the concept. Jesus came to carry out God's decree of adoption. There's no guesswork. There's nothing left to fate. There's nothing left to free will choices. There's no ambiguity. In fact, the names of all God's adopted children were registered before time. Revelation 17 verse 8 tells us, I'm reading for you, the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast. But those registered in heaven's log book will not worship false gods. Revelation 21 verse 27 defines the occupants of heaven and here's what it says. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 21, verse 27. Well, if we are all sinners by birth and by practice, if we are all God-haters and rebellious towards God's authority, how do we get to enter heaven? Paul has this horrific list. He writes, do you not know the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor nor swindlers. None of them will enter the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Were. Hmm. But now, he's going on, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians, 9, or 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Adoption was implemented in the fullness of time with the coming of Jesus and his cleansing work on the cross. Thirdly, adoption was applied by the power of the Holy Spirit to those predestined for sonship in God's family. The Holy Spirit was instrumental in the creation of Jesus' human body within Mary's womb. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke 1 verse 35.